Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. I'm just going to kind of get into it. If you're taking notes today, let's get started early, all right? Amen, everybody? So you can use those Connect cards in the back of your seat. On the back side, it says notes, so you can do that. But uh, we're wrapping up this series today, and I always get sad kind of at the end of the series, but uh, because mainly I, I want to make sure that as we walk away from a series that we hold on to it, because we're going to start a brand new one next week. And it's like, but this one was important. This one, I think, is foundational to it, and I want to make sure that you hold on to what we've been talking about. Jesus was actually concerned about this very thing in regarding his teaching and his disciples. He said in John 8, 31, he said, if you hold to my teaching, in other words, everything he was saying, if you would just grab hold of it, if you'd make it your own, if you'd learn to live by it, hold on to it, he said, you are really my disciples. He said, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So so the question is, is like, Aaron, how do, how do I hold on to this series after it's over? And I'm going to help you with that. But I need you to understand there's a reason why I want you to hold on to the series. Because there's a promise that's attached to it. That if you hold on to God's word, if you make it part of your life, the very foundation of your life, there's a promise that's attached to it. Jesus said, you'll know the truth. And that word know is the Greek word genosko, which means that you'll know it intimately. It's the difference between knowing something in your head and knowing something in your heart. He said, so if you hold on to it, you hold on to it, it's something that you'll begin to know in your heart. And when you know it in your heart, man, freedom comes into your life. And I, I want to go ahead and give me some of that. Anybody else yeah. want some freedom? We want some freedom. So I want that for you. Now, I understand that holding on to something is oftentimes difficult. For many of us, we set New Year's resolutions. Anybody set a New Year's resolution? Anybody already falter on the New Year's resolutions, right? Why? Because holding on to something is difficult. I, 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 I've already messed up on my diet three times, y'all. I've stopped it and started it, right? I've lost some weight, and then I found it. It wasn't lost after all, right? <laughs> Can I get a witness out there? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? By the way, the 21 days of prayer and fasting is over, and I've had some caffeine, so y'all are in for it, right? <laughs> but in regards to all these things, listen, don't be defeated if you've lost hold of something. We're looking for progress, not perfection, right? God's grace is greater than any of our mistakes and any of our slip-ups and backsliding. So, so just get on with it and, uh, and keep moving forward. But there's two things to work on, I believe, in order to hold on to what we've already learned. The first one is to work on, continue to work on your relationship with God. That's what the 21 days of prayer and fasting is really all about, right? It's making sure we'd let God know you're first and we prioritize you at the beginning of the year. We're going to give up some stuff so we can lean into you and hear you better. And so, so continue to do that. Continue the prayer that you, that you started on, that, that life, that, that appetite that you created within you. Continue to feed it. Continue to read your Bible, to get to know God's word, to go from knowing here to knowing it here. It's really important. The second thing I think you need to work on is make sure that you work on your important relationships. And we're going to help you with that. The next series that we're going to start next week is our relationship series. So whether you're single, married, or looking to be married, or you're married and looking to not be married, all of it's for you, okay? All of it. Somebody said, oh, no, don't nudge anybody on that one, all right? Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, but, uh, but, but we want to help you. The series is called... <laughs> 
I'm going to be a mess today, guys. I apologize. <laughs> I probably should have done like half a can of bang. You know what I'm saying? And I did a whole one. So, But I did it at four this morning, so maybe it'll wear off before we get to the end here. But anyway, series is called Relationship Goals, and we're going to help you with that. Uh, so, so be here next week with us. But, but today I want to focus on how do, how do we do this? How do we hold on to God's word? There's four things to help you. The first one is to make it the foundation of your life. Now, foundations are one of those things that are rarely seen except during the building phase. But, but foundations matter, right? The, the way you lay a foundation will determine the strength of the building and everything, the structure that you put upon it. So, so the foundation that you lay is really, really important. And I believe that God's word needs to be your foundation. In fact, Jesus did too. He said in Matthew 7, 24, everyone who hears these words of mine. Now, as Jesus is speaking, there was not a Bible that existed like this. We only had the Old Testament. But now we have the New Testament, which contains the story of Jesus and everything he's saying. So Jesus is saying, the words that I'm speaking right now, if you, these words here, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Now, that's a difference between somebody that just goes to church on Sunday morning casually and walks away and forgets about it, right? He says, no, you got to be a hearer and a doer. you got to apply it to your life. So everyone who hears these words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. That's a, that's a firm foundation. The majority of our buildings anymore are built on rocks, right? It's cement. It's ground up rock. That's what it is. He said that if you build your life on God's words, then you're a wise man who's built a firm foundation. And the verses go on to talk about storms that are going to come in your life. The truth is, guys, in 2020, storms are going to come. Now, I know, Aaron, how could you be so discouraging or so early on in the message? Well, all right, let me help you. Here's the positive part. Let good foundation so that when the storms come, your life stands. And, and that's what I want for you. Now, the verse goes on and talks about, about a foolish man and the kind of foundation that the foolish man would build his house on. He talks about a sand, something that is shifting, something that is constantly moving. It is not firm. And I want to share what I believe would be foolish foundations to build on first. The first one is pop culture. This is a terrible foundation for your life. If you go with popular opinion and the way pop culture is going, you're always going to be shifting because pop culture is always changing. The ideas of the day are forever moving. And so don't follow pop culture. Pop culture will come and go, but truth never changes, y'all. And God's word is truth. So you have to decide. And this is a decision I have to make on my own, you have to make on your own. How much of pop culture are you going to let into your life to be an influencer in your life? By what you're listening to, what you're watching, whether that's through TV, YouTube, or any way that you consume media, how are you going to let that influence your life and what are you going to let influence your life? Like, it's important that you decide, this is not good for me. When my kids were younger, there were songs that would make them shake and wiggle and make them want to move their rumps, Right? And they go, but I said, no, you can't listen to that song. They say, why? Well, it'll hurt your heart. And, and my kids would say, okay. And then, and then that song would come on later. Dad, you need to change the channel. We don't want to hurt our hearts, right? Well, we need to guard our hearts. I know that that's it's like, oh, they're so cute. They, and they were, and they still are. They're almost grown. <laughs> but, but, but we have to be careful with our hearts, what we let in. We can't be influenced by pop culture. It's just not a firm foundation is Exodus 23, 2 says, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. So don't, don't follow the world. Don't follow pop culture. It's not a good foundation. Tradition is also not a good foundation. Oftentimes the traditions that we have in our lives and more often than not in the church are not built on God's word. 
There's a whole lot of traditions, man, that we honor first before we're even considering honoring God's word. I got a buddy who's working at a church right now, and I'm like, hey, man, what's going on in your life? Like, as a pastor, what's your number one concern? He's like, I'm trying to move the communion table from the front over to the side. And I said, I thought you were going to talk about, like, you got addiction in your community, or the marriages are in trouble in your church. And he's like, nope, that's my number one concern. I'm like, come on, y'all. He said, well, it's just the way we've always done it. And it's that kind of thinking we focus on our traditions instead of on God's word. We want to change God's word and not our traditions. And see, we've changed the wrong thing. We cannot be focused on our traditions because here's the thing. The tra- traditions need, need to change. They, they just absolutely cannot be what we're focused on. Jesus was concerned about this. Mark 7, 8, he said, you've let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Stuff that's not even based in God's word is more important to us than what God told us to do, which is to seek and save the lost, y'all. That's what it's all about. Third thing you cannot build your foundation on is reason. Cannot build your foundation on reason. Reason says, let me think it through. When it comes to God's word, we want to think about it. We want to reason within ourselves whether that makes sense to us, whether it makes sense to the world that we're living in. And this is going on a lot in the church today. We talk about matters that have been, that are clear in God's word. And we begin to redefine them. We begin to redefine marriage and sexuality. We begin to redefine our whole lives, the way that we talk, the way that we walk, because what we've thought about it, and it just makes sense. And the arguments do make sense when you listen to them. However, they're in direct contradiction to God's word. It's like, it's very clear. Here's what the Bible has to say about it. No matter what you thought about it, it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. You say, well, it means I'm going to die? Well, yeah, everybody's going to die, but it means that you'll have death in your relationships, death in parts of areas of your life as a result. God's ways are better. So don't go with what seems right. Go with God. That's why he's God, by the way, and you're not. All right, I'll, let, me, let me back off. Maybe I'm coming on too strong here, all right? Fourth foundation that's terrible is your feelings. Feelings are fickle. We say that around my house all the time. My daughter heard me say it one time from the stage. And anytime anybody says, well, I feel, she goes, feelings are fickle. (laughs) It's true. Your feelings lie to you. How you feel now is not how you're going to feel later about a thing. All feelings, good and bad, are like waves on an ocean. They come and they go. You cannot live your life based on how you feel. But we live in a culture that says, well, if it feels good, it must be right. Or if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. Right, Cheryl Crow? I've done that joke a lot here, and very few people laugh at that. I don't even think they know who Cheryl Crow is anymore. She probably just cut it out, right, you know? Oh, that was another old one, too. You guys got it. You can't trust your feelings, y'all. You can't. It's important that you understand your feelings will lie to you. If you follow your feelings, what will happen is, is chaos is just around the corner. Now, here's the truth. You don't need me to preach that to you for you to believe that. You know that, that when you follow your feelings, chaos ensues in your life. I don't need to tell you. You, know, you already know. In fact, you can see it in your Bible that if you live your life built on foundation, uh, the foundation of feelings, you'll pay the price. In, in Judges, the most chaotic book that exists in your Bible, so much chaos going on. The people didn't want a king, and they certainly didn't want God ruling them. Chaos uh, ensued because of their faulty foundations. It was like the hallmark of the people. Judges 21-25 says this. At that time, there was no king in Israel, and people did whatever they felt like doing. Your feelings 
will lead you into chaos. And so I want you to have a firm foundation on God's word, everybody. And there's a couple ways that you can figure out whether or not that foundation is yours. There's, there's some questions you can ask yourself. Here's the first one. What do I do when I don't understand God's word? What do I do when I don't understand God's word? Well, your response to that will, will help you understand whether or not God's word is the foundation for your life. Because when you don't understand, I get it, most of us want to understand, right? But, but the desire to understand, all it does is it reduces God down to a you-sized God. In fact, what it does is it makes you God. Because a God you can understand is a God you can wrap your brain around, and that's not the God that I'm talking about. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And we do not have the luxury of understanding everything that we come across in God's word. We do have a promise that we'll stand face to face with Jesus someday and we can say, hey, bro, can you, can you help me understand this part of your verse? Because I don't get it. I don't get it. Because there's this, there's this one verse in Proverbs where it's like, hey, don't talk to a fool according to his folly, right? And then the next verse, it says, talk to a fool according to his folly. I'm like, go home, Bible, you're drunk. Like, you just said do it, and then you said don't do it. I want to talk to Jesus about that someday, right? You find it, it's there. Just saying. The Bible's not drunk, guys. I'm just kidding, okay? If, if your heart was offended by that, I'd take it back. I did not mean it, all right? I was just, I was just kidding. <laughs> so what you have to do is decide that God's right, that whether you understand it or not, God is right, and, and that you got to get on board with it, because the thing is with God's ways and God's word is more often than not, understanding will come after you obey it, after you get on board. You'll, you'll understand it because you'll see the fruit of it in your life. God's ways are better. So when you don't understand, you have to say, I don't get it, but I trust you. I, I trust you. Second question you can ask is, what do I do when I understand, but I don't like it? This one's tough. This one's really tough. I, there's, there's stuff in the Bible that I don't like. And yes, I'm a pastor of a church. Hi. All those verses about patience, I'd rather black them out or cut them out. I don't like that. There's stuff in there that my flesh is like, oh, it'd be much nicer if that wasn't there. Forgiving, your, forgiving and loving your enemies. Holy cow. Forgiving somebody who's wronged you, and they haven't even apologized for it yet. Come on, somebody. I'm going to get up in your business here, all right? I don't like that. But the Bible is God's word. It is truth, and we have to adjust to it, not make the Bible adjust to fit us. That's just not the way we can do it. We have to adjust our lives, because you're never going to know how good God's word is until you try it. Some people come across a verse or come across one of the Lord's commands and and they'll say, well, I don't like that. And my question is, how do you know? Have you tried it? And more often than not, the answer is no. I just know that I wouldn't like it. Well, how do you know you wouldn't like it? The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You've got to try it. You've got to give it, a, give it a shot. See what kind of fruit it will produce in your life if you're willing to do it. His ways are better. So here's the deal. If you don't want to make the Bible the foundation of your life, these next three points I'm going to give you, are just no good for you. You can go ahead and check out and play some Candy Crush right now, all right? I won't be offended and nobody else will be either. But everybody sitting next to you will not understand exactly where you're at, and that's all right. That's okay. You're welcome here, and we love you. Serious. Gets out Candy Crush and starts playing secretly <laughs> in your coat. Second thing is how you can hold on to God's word is to make it the first part of your daily life. Make it the first part of your daily life. It's my challenge, my challenge to you 
is to make God first. And I want to help you do that in a very doable, very livable way here and to do what Jesus said. He said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So what Jesus is talking about, seek God first. Oftentimes, our, our, I feel like our attitude regarding prayer is, well, all I can do now is pray. It means we've done everything we can do. I guess now we'll pray. No, no, no. Jesus said all of this stuff, pray first. Seek, seek God first. And this verse comes after there's a whole list of worries. Jesus is talking about all the stuff we're stressed about. And he says, hey, seek God first. And then he says, all these things, that's what he's referring to, all these things, the stuff that you're stressed out about, God will take care of all that. See, when you prioritize God, God will start prioritizing you and your stuff. It's just an order of things. It's what he wants. So, 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 so focus on him. He'll focus on you. First things are important to God. You know that? I've taught a whole series on this called First. First things demonstrate priority in your life. It's an honor position. And God wants to be in that place. He needs to be. He requires, because of who he is by his very nature, to be in that place. So, so I'm going to help you live this out. And I'm going to say this. I, I, I felt very led to make sure that I said this. You students that are here, it's time to stop letting mom and dad's foundation be your foundation. You need to get your own foundation, and you need to get in your word. Because what I'm going to talk to you about today, you can do. You, you can do, all my students. You're sitting next to a student. Nudge them so you can do it. You can do it, all right? So here we go. The, we're going to talk about the first 15. This is a simple way that you can make this part of your daily routine. And the first 15, you take the first five minutes of that 15 minutes, and you spend it in God's Word. For those of you that are following along in the one-year Bible, that means, hey, read, read one of the sections. I know that it takes 15 to 20 minutes to read all of the daily selections, but if you've only got five minutes... Read the New Testament parts. If you don't have five minutes and you just got one or two minutes, then, then read the psalm or read the proverb. Like, but, but get in there and, and get in your word every day. Now, some of you, I know the pushback already is that I'm not a reader. Maybe some of you have challenges uh, with reading. There's things like dyslexia and other things like that. Or maybe it's just hard for you to read and comprehend. And I get that. So here's, here's what I would challenge you to do. Or even if you just don't like it, wherever you're at, listen to it. There are all kinds of Bible apps that will read it to you. I have a buddy who did that. He said, I'm not much of a reader, Aaron, so every day on his way to work, he hit play. And the daily selections for the, for the one-year Bible, it was playing in his ears. I talked to him this past week, and he said, you know, he said, I, I did that. He said, but I've got a hunger for it. I want to read it. I want to hold it in my hands. And so he developed an appetite for God's word because that's what happens. You develop an appetite for what you feed yourself, y'all. So if you want to have an appetite for God's word, just go ahead and start consuming it. Start reading it. Get into it. Why is God's word important? Well, Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. It's the way you live your life. God's word will shine a light on every step that you need to take in your life. Amen, everybody? Amen. Second 15 minutes is to be spent in worship, or excuse me, the second, five, the second part of your 15 minutes, the five minutes, should be spent in worship. What is worship? It's just expressing your love to God. And you can simply do that in a song, just like we did here before I, I took the stage. Those are worship songs. Those are us expressing our love to God. Gary Chapman wrote a great book called The Five Love Languages. And in it, he talks about the five ways that we like to be loved and how other people need to be loved. And, and for most of us, it's different. And the way that you like to be loved, when somebody loves you in that way, it just fills up your tank and makes your heart burst. You're like, yes, they really love me. Oftentimes, we try to love people the way we like to be loved, and that's good. But when you love them the way they like to be loved, whoo, means everything to him. Well, God has a love language, and it's written in his word. 
There's singing. There's shouting, clapping of our hands. There, there is kneeling, bowing before him. You can even just talk to him. He loves to hear your voice. And so I think a song is an easy thing to do. So to play a song, this is your second five minutes. Play a worship song. Sing along to it or just let the words minister to your heart because something shifts inside of you when you worship. When God becomes big, all your problems become small. And this is what worship does for you. Some of you experienced that already. You came in here today. Your shoulders were hurting because the whole way here, you were reaching back and smacking a kid. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? The stress of your life and the week, and you're exhausted, and, you, and we worshiped, and your heart is just singing. You feel it. It makes a difference. Worship changes everything. In fact, we want to help you with that. There's a whole Spotify now. For some of you who don't know what that is, find a young person, and they'll help you figure out what Spotify is. But there is a 21 Days of Prayer 2020. There's a whole playlist of songs that we put together that Simple Church has done. And you can, you can listen to those. Choose a song to listen to. But, but spend some time in worship. Psalm 34.1 says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. It makes a difference. Your final five minutes of that first 15 is in prayer. You say, Aaron, what do I pray for in five minutes? I don't have five minutes worth of material. Let me help you. It's two things. Tell God what you're thankful for and tell him what's on your heart. What are you concerned about? You'll see that in, in uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. He says this, don't be anxious about anything. In other words, don't worry about it. But in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, so there's the thankfulness, present your requests to God. Simple, right? I do this every morning. This is a focus of mine. I journal it. God, this is what I'm thankful for. Because starting your day with gratitude shifts my heart. You can't be a complainer when you're telling God how much you're thankful for. Depression. If you suffer from depression, depression can't exist when you live a life of gratitude either. They, they just can't exist together. So I start my day with gratitude, telling God, I'm thankful for this. This happened yesterday. I'm thankful. This morning, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful I got to sleep in. I'm thankful to be here at church with y'all. And I, and I just write them, and then I tell them about them. Then I think, sit there and think, Lord, what's on my heart today? Man, I got my buddy. He's struggling with this. I got pain in my body. I'm struggling with this. I got a meeting coming up today. I got a conversation. I, 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 I just give you my day, whatever it may be. And you just tell God what's on your heart. That, that'll take five minutes. And here's the thing. Scripture says that if you do that, check out the next verse. He says, if you'll present your request to God, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, means you'll be in the middle of the storm and everybody be looking at you confused. Why you have peace? How come they're so calm and chill? Well, that's because I woke up today and I, I told God what I was thankful for and I gave it all to him. I said, here's what I'm struggling with today. He says, you have peace that passes all understanding. I like that. And the, that peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I need some of that. Anybody need some of that? I need that. I need that peace. So five minutes of thank you, God, and giving him your burdens change everything. So that's the first 15, guys, right? Spend it in the word. Spend it in worship. Spend it in prayer talking to God. It's important that you do so make God's word functional, do it first, prioritize it daily, and then make it grow deeper in your life. You have to choose to make it grow deeper in your life, guys. This is important that you hear this. You have control over it. In fact, we're encouraged to do that in Colossians 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it dwell. You've got to make a choice. I'm going to do that. Kalina, can I have that cup? Come on, everybody. Give it up for Kalina. She helps me and make sure I have everything. Thank you so much. Now, this is just a, a cup of hot water, 
And this cup of water is your life, and uh, this tea bag here is God's word. And what I want to show you is the difference that taking a little dip makes, right? So as you look at this, you'll see we're going to take a little dip here. We're, we're going to come to church on Sunday, and uh, you're going to listen to me talk for about 30 minutes or so, and, uh, and you're just going to take a dip. Now, if you look at that, it makes a little difference, but not much of a difference. That's kind of hurtful to me to know that my messages don't make that much of a difference. <laughs> but it's true, right? Because the best part comes when you apply it, when you start doing something. So, so you go home and, and you decide, I'm going to do the first 15, and I'm going to take those first five minutes, and I'm, I'm going to pray a little bit. And you take a, a second dip. And you see that it begins to make a little difference in your life. I'm going to spend the next five minutes, I'm going to spend it in a little bit of worship. I'm going to tell God that I love him in the way that he likes to be told that, he, that we love him. And you'll see it makes a little more. And then I'm going I'm to spend the next five minutes just talking to him, right? And, and here's my goal, is that each time you take a dip, what you allow in your life, you eventually become like, right? And so it's important. I want to I help you with some additional dips that you can do. And because when you do, you're going to take on characteristics of that which you allow in. So here we go. Here's a couple ways to help you enjoy that. With your Bible, get a translation that you like. Get a translation that you like. You say, Aaron, are we really talking about this on Sunday morning? Yep. This is foundational to your relationship with God. Get a translation that you like. You say, which one is the one that's right? The one that you can understand? Some of you are like, well, but the first Bible ever translated was the King James Version. That's the one that we should all, that's the right one. Listen, let me tell you something. God is an English, and he certainly is an old English, right? The reason these translations exist is because they were written in Old Hebrew and Old Greek. None of those versions of that language are even spoken before, spoken to, to this day. So Old Hebrew and Old Greek had to be translated by scholars and theologians into a language that we can understand. That was just the first translation. So, so, so find a translation that works for you. All of them are good for you. And when you're looking at the translations, understand there are three basic types of translations. The first one, and this is kind of getting into some scholarly stuff. If you like this kind of stuff, you'll like it. If you don't, we'll move on quickly, all right? So here we go. The first kind of translation is the formal equivalency, okay? A formal equivalency, which means it's like an exact translation. So what the translators did was they took the language as it was written, and they translated it exactly. This is like your King James Version your New King James Version, uh, the NASB or the, the New American Standard Bible or the ESV or English Standard Version. That's what all those mean, by the way, right? The KJV, NKJV. They, they took it word for word, and they just translated it directly for you, okay? And the only problem with this is that grammar changes over time. The way that, that we talk to people and the way that we talk to each other, language kind of shifts and changes. And so they're good but they're not as clear as they could be to us. And it's important that these exist. The second kind of translation is called the functional equivalency, or this, others call it a dynamic equivalency. The kind of versions like this are the NLT, which is the New Living Translation, the Good News Translation, the um, Today's English Version, and the New International Version. And what they did here was they took it thought by thought. Instead of directly translating it word for word as it appeared in the original language, they translated thought by thought. That helps us to understand it better. In fact, I would tell you the NLT is the version that I choose to read from quite often in my personal devotion time. The, the, the verses that I mainly use on screen are the NIV versions because NIV is a little bit of both. It's the formal and the functional equivalency. They, they had 100 scholars get together and, and, and they said, okay, this is the, we need to keep these ones line by line and some of this we need to shift so that people can understand it. But it's, it's a combination of the two and and it's the number one selling translation of the Bible, the NIV. So anyway, I just want to share that with you. And the last one 
is called a paraphrase. Now, these ones are fantastic. These are not translations. A paraphrase is somebody who read the Bible, a scholar or a theologian, pastors sometimes, uh, who read the Bible and said, I'm going to say this in my own words. And we have a couple that exist that are really great. The Living Bible was actually not even meant to be sold to people. It was a pastor who said, I want to read the Bible and put it in a language my kids can understand. So he wrote it for his kids, but we get to enjoy it. And the paraphrase that I use most, most often is the message paraphrasing, all right? And this was written by a pastor, and it's the most popular one. Uh, but if you go out and Google the different paraphrases that exist, I, I had some fun studying this week. I found one called the Surfer's Bible. And uh, they put it, if you've ever seen this before, there's, there's some silly stuff out there. But I just thought this was so funny I was going to share with you. Uh, the Surfer's Bible translates it in a way that a surfer would understand, I guess. I don't know if this is a thing or not, but, but here there's a story of Jacob and Esau. It says, this was, I guess this is what it would read. This Esau dude, he was jonesing for some soup, right? <laughs> oh, sorry, spaced out there. Anyways, the dude was noodled from some mega hunting like all day long. Goes to his little brother, Jake. He's like, Shah, I totally need some of your righteous grinded. And dude's like, nah, bro, I need your birthright first. And Esau's like, no way, dude, nacho. I couldn't, if you know the original story, I don't know if that's true to translation, but that's what happened, y'all. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad at it. So anyway, <laughs> I'm not sure it's real, but that's funny right there. <laughs> I don't care who you are. So, but let me show you, here's some real verses and some translations of paraphrases and I'll show you the difference that it makes. First Corinthians 13, four charity, or that word used for charity is the word agape. It means unconditional or God kind of love, right? So they use the word, this is the King James version. And it says that, that charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself and is not puffed up. It almost gives you a lisp when you talk about it and read it out loud, right? That's the King James Version. But go on to the NIV. This is the functional translation. Love is patient. Love is kind. A little easier to understand, right? It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. And that's the NIV. The same verse in the message paraphrases, love never gives up. Love cares for more, more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head. So whatever you like, those translations and paraphrases are available to you. And find a translation that you like. It'll make a difference. And then here's how you take another dip. You, you get a study Bible. Now, there are a few pastors in this, in this country today that are going to tell you to get off the digital. But I'm going to tell you, get off the digital. Get a paper-printed Bible. In fact, if you don't have one, you can pick one up at the Connect Center. We want to give you a paper Bible for free, y'all. It's already been paid for by your generosity. Just grab one, okay? But if you've already got one, leave them there for the people that ain't got one, okay? Just don't be that guy who grabs the free stuff because it's F-R-E-E, all right? You know who you are. I'm just saying. <laughs> But if you need a paper-printed Bible, they're there for you, so get one. But, but if you've been in, in this for a while, you've already got your paper-printed Bible, get a study Bible. There's a couple I'll tell you that are really good. The Life Application Bible, which is self-explanatory. And what you're going to find in a study Bible is they're going to have verses and then commentary from theologians and pastors that will help you understand what the, those verses just said and, 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 and how to apply it to your life. Then another one I would recommend is the Maxwell Leadership Bible. For those of you that are in business and in leadership, Man, this, this will draw out leadership principles for you uh, that I think you'll really enjoy. So, so those are a couple of them. Uh, get yourself one. My wife just picked up one called the She Reads Study Bible. It's a study Bible written by women for women. So, so just find one that'll help you study. Go take a deep dive. Take another dip, all right? Steep a little longer in it. And the next way that you can do that is to get in a group. You need to get in a group. Get in a group. Here's why. 
Because in a group, which by the way, they launch next week, they're available for you to sign up as of this past Sunday. So today you can sign up, stop by the Connect Center. We'll have people there that can help you get into a group. But get into a group because you can't just let God's word be in your hearing, meaning when you sit here on Sunday mornings. It has to be something that you learn to discuss. Because I think there's some principles that you're never going to understand until you talk about them. There's some stuff that you're never going to figure out how to work into your life until you discuss it with someone else, until you find some accountability, because some of that stuff is just hard to put in your life. You need somebody to say, hey, you said you were going to do that by the end of the week. How'd that go? Somebody that's praying for you, somebody that's encouraging you, somebody that's walked this path ahead of you or at least willing to walk it with you as you learn to walk out God's word. Now, I understand that some of, our, some of our groups are activity groups, but I believe that every single one of them can be places where you talk about God's word. It's as simple as in the men's fellowship or the walk group that I'm leading on Tuesdays, gathering together saying, what are you reading? What's God speaking to you in his word? Well, this is what he's saying to me. How about you? And, and I'll share, and, and we'll all share. We'll take a, we're going to walk together for an hour to do that, but there's plenty of ways to do this. Some of them are study groups where, where you're going to study. Some people gather together, they just talk about the Sunday morning message. They're, they're, there's lots of different ways to gather in a group to talk about God's word and how it's impacting your life and how it could impact your life. Because I think that when you begin to do that, you'll find transformation. You'll ultimately find freedom. You, you learn how to live this thing out. So get in a group. They're 13 weeks long. Most of them meet on a weekly basis. Others of them are less than that. But stop by the Connect Center. Find a group. Get in a group, everybody. Make a commitment to do that. And here's what I believe. I believe that if you'll take a, a dip into your study Bible, you'll take a dip into getting the right translation, I think if you'll take a dip, that long dip into getting into a group, what will happen is you'll find that you're transformed. Your identity will literally become that which you've allowed in your life because this ain't a cup of water no more, y'all. It's a cup of tea. And it smells better. It tastes better. It has, by its nature, been transformed, everybody. Been transformed. So I just, I just believe the longer you let God's word be in your life, the more you'll see that you'll become like it. So make God's word foundational. Do it first. Prioritize it daily. Make it grow within you. And then, here's the last thing, you can make it a weapon for the challenges of your life. Listen, I think people want Christianity just to calm down. Calm down. Be quiet. Sing your kumbaya songs. Gather in your little church buildings. But don't bother us with that. Be quiet but that's not how our life is described in the Bible. Amen. In fact, the Bible describes our life as that we're at war, not with the Democrats and the Republicans and the politicians. We're at war with an enemy that hates your soul because God loves it so much. There's a spiritual enemy. Call him the devil, Satan, Beelzebub, whatever you want to do, but he hates your soul. And you're in a war whether you realize it or want to be or not. You're in a fight. And God's word is a weapon for you to use. In fact, Paul described it this way. He said that God's word is armor and it's a sword. He says this, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, by the way, it's already here, you may be able to stand your ground. Verse 17, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Message paraphrase says this, God's word is an indispensable weapon. It means you're going to need it. You can't live without it. It's indispensable. You're going to need it to fight. You cannot do it alone. Jesus understood this. And when the enemy came to tempt him, Jesus responded with three words. And it's the title of our series. It 
is written. Every time the enemy came at him, it's written. It's written. He quoted God's word to the enemy. You need to be able to quote God's word to the enemy. You say, Aaron, I'm new at this. That feels overwhelming. The Bible's awful big. You ever held one, opened it up, counted the pages? Uh Uh-huh. It's small print, too. Double columns. It's a lot. I don't expect you to know it all right now. I don't know it all. But I do expect you that that each time you face something that you don't know how to deal with it, that you decide, you know, I'm going to go to God's word. What does God have to say about this? Take one verse at a time. Let it get in your heart and begin to speak God's word over that situation. That's how you fight, y'all. So that when the enemy puts his hands on your marriage, you know a verse to speak to it. When the enemy puts his hand on your health, he puts his hand on your finances. He puts his hand on your church or your pastor. Or when he puts his hand on your community with addiction, depression, poverty. Come on, somebody. You've got a word. I'm going through something right now that I'm facing. I'm just kind of struggling. And I know it's all up in my head, but I got me a verse. And I got me like a little lightsaber thing right here. Wah, wah. Because what I did was I took Ephesians 3.20. I made it into a little infographic because I'm fancy. Got my pinky out. But I made it a little graphic on my phone so that every time I pick up my phone, which, by the way, y'all are picking up your phone 50, 60, 70, 80 times a day, pulling out your pocket, just checking it. I put it on my little screen right there. So I don't have to look far for it. I'm going to have this verse like that within a few weeks. And the enemy comes at me with the same way he's been coming at me. I'm going to swing my sword. I'm going to slice and dice like Leonardo from the Ninja Turtles. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? If you don't, that's okay. Somebody in your row does. <laughs> You're in a fight, and you need to learn how to fight. God's Word will help you fight. So scripture memory is how we fight. We memorize God's Word. Do it a little bit at a time. Don't feel under condemnation because you don't know it all now. We'll walk with you through that. We'll help you find verses. The, the Google machine is great. There are a lot of resources to help you, man. There's, people, there's categories. They'll say, all right, you're going through this. This is a verse that'll help you. Just Google that stuff, man. Ask a pastor. Ask a friend. Ask your team lead. Ask your group leader. I need a verse. Let's find it together. Do it little by little. Because it's not just how you fight, but how you live. Right? You need to hold fast. The longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 199, take you about 20, or 119, excuse me. It'll take you about 20 minutes to read. It says this, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? How do I do this? How do I keep from messing up? The answer is right there, by living according to your word. Making God's word a foundation for our life. He says, if I seek you with all my heart, do not let me stray from your commands. And watch what happens. He said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, that's what will happen. If you hide God's word in your heart, you'll stop sinning against him. You'll find that you're transformed. You've become a beautiful cup of tea, y'all. Let's pray, everybody. Your life can change this year. And I believe that'll happen for you if you'll make God a priority, if you'll make God's word a foundation for your life. So God, today we commit to giving you our first 15, to to seeking you in your word, to worshiping you and, and just giving you our Uh, how how thankful we are for you and all you've done for us and then just giving you our cares and concerns, Lord, so that your peace will guard our hearts and minds. Lord, I know that we'll face our days, our weeks, our months, and the storms that come differently with you. I pray that, God, that you help us to do that every day. Lord, help us to find a right translation that works for us. Lord, help us to to hide your word in our hearts. And Lord, lead us to a group where 
we can be honest and open and grow in your word together with people. And Lord, I pray that as this we walk this journey out, you help us to fight the enemy with your word. Now, as I continue, we're continuing in this moment of prayer. There's someone in this room, you're far from God. And you desire the life that we're describing, but it all begins with Jesus. Jesus paid the price to forgive us of our sins, to make us right with God so we can be in proper relationship with him. The gap that you feel right now can be closed and you can be in fellowship with God. All it takes is accepting what Jesus did for you. So I'm gonna pray a prayer. And if you need to pray that prayer and give your life to Jesus, here's your moment. But if that's you and you're here today, I believe that you need to make a commitment and a public one. Everybody's got their head bowed and eyes closed. I'm the only one looking around right now. But if you're ready to do that, would you just slip up your hand and say, Aaron, that's me. I'm ready. Yeah, come on, somebody. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I'm proud of you. That's amazing. Church, let's pray together. Nobody prays alone. They're part of our family. Say, Jesus, I need you. Today I give you my life. Show me how to live for you. Forgive me. Make me brand new. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, Simple Church. Can we celebrate with those that said yes to Jesus today? For those of you making that commitment today, this whole service, I believe, was orchestrated for you. I believe it was for building up our church, but it was for you. God put us all here today to, to, for you to experience his grace and his love and uh, I believe that with all my heart. So I believe today is your day. And if you made that connection or that commitment today, I would encourage you to grab that connection card, put your information on there, say, hey, I said yes to Jesus today, and stop by the Connect Center, pick up a Bible, let them talk to you about what your next steps are because you've made an inward commitment, and let's make an outward one through baptism. You can do that next Sunday right here. We'd love for you to be able to join us to do that. Uh, but stop by the Connect Center and say yes to doing that, and we'll help you understand your next steps like growth track and so on. Amen, everybody? Awesome. All right. Well, a couple things you need to know before we go. Uh, if you come today and the Lord has put on your heart to give, you can do that several ways through the give box in the back of the room as you walk out. Also, these digital ways. We thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity. Man, it's making a difference here at Simple Church in this community and around the globe. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, things you need to know as we prepare to go. First of all, uh, typically on the last Sunday of the month, we have prayer, but we had prayer yesterday morning, so there'll be no prayer tonight, y'all. So if I I'm sad, if that saddens you, I apologize. We will pick it back up with that schedule next month. The last Sunday of the month is a prayer night, so no prayer tonight. Parents' night out is February 7th. Any parents need a break out there? What, what? Yeah, there's a few of you, all right? Some of you just want to take a nap. Can I just take a nap in my car, please? <laughs> Maybe we should have cots set up. I don't know where my leadership team is. Some cots set up in the other end of the building, but we want to hang out with your kids for a couple hours. Let us do that. You can sign up online February 7th. It's a Friday evening. Go out and enjoy yourselves, whether you're a single parent, you're married, or whatever that situation may be. Let us take care of your kids and uh, get them registered for that so we can be prepared. Group sign up or launch next week. You can sign up today. I think that's it. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for your love and your grace. Thanks for your word and the firm foundation that we get to build on. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for caffeine that is now flowing through my body. Jesus, we love it. We love the fast, but we're glad that it's over too. So Lord, go with us in Jesus' name. Bless this offering as we receive it. Help us to reach more people that are far from you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen.